I remember being in a church back in the day. Uh, um, it was a Baptist church, so I'm not saying anything bad about Baptists. But what was crazy to me is that there had this um, this guy that was visiting, and he got passionate, right? And uh, so he was basically yelling, but he was just passionate, like, and he was just going all in, right? Giving the salvation message again, you know, revival message, I guess, too, for those guys. But anyway, somebody woke up from their nap when he didn't passionate or whatever, jumps up and says, quiet down. <laughs> now, I'm just kidding about the nap. He wasn't taking a nap, but he did yell at the guy and say, quiet down, because his wife was sitting next to him. I guess she had seizures. You remember her? Yeah. So the loud noise was disturbing to her. So, but it was just shocked me because he jumps up and says, quiet down. <laughs> he was trying to save his life's wife or something, you know. His wife's life. Sorry, guys. It's not his life's wife. You know, I don't know. But get the picture. <coughs> and he kind of like talked to him for a minute, you know, like, hey, we don't need that around here and stuff like that. And I was like surprised because, yeah, okay, I understand her health situation, but we definitely do need passion in the church, correct? I mean, we don't want to be like, oh, oh, guys, you know, we're here today to talk about Jesus and, uh, you know. This is not how it should be, in, in my humble opinion. If you disagree with me, get out of here. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. If you disagree with me, I love you anyway. <laughs> yeah, I've been to places where I've been told to get out of here. Nah. So let me um, start. The first I want to start with uh, is Romans 5, 20 to 21. And what I want to talk to you guys about today is something me and uh, I talked to a little bit with Kalani. I mean, it's like two texts, but when we text me and Kalani... Two times that could be like a whole sermon, right? That's what it's going to be. So, <laughs> so um, what I want to talk about is, and I don't know what the title will be, but um, Elijah will come over here. I want to talk about, you know, when, when we are weak, he is strong, right? Um, so let's go to Romans five twenty to 21. But the law entered, this is verse 20. So that sin might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded much more. So that just as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through righteousness unto eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. <coughs> so, um, uh, my older my old pastor used to talk about it like there was a fence, right? If there was a fence and it had a hole in it, everybody walked by just fine. But if you write above the hole, don't look in this hole and add an arrow to the hole, it'll be black. You know? <laughs> so that is just to um, give you a picture of what this is saying. It says the law entered so that sin might increase. So when people heard there was something they could not do, they all jumped on it, right? Everybody heard, hey, we shouldn't be doing this. So that's when sin increased. Um, and the grace abounded much more because God didn't want us to miss out <laughs> On all his goodness. He wanted to lavish it upon us because he loved us. Um, but what I wanted to bring out too here is that when sin reigned. It's saying that sin reigned in death. Reigned. Which means like it was the king. It was the master in death. Right? Grace. Um, so that just as sin did reign. Right? Grace might reign through righteousness unto eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So now conquered. Right? Death. Sin. Conquered. He now reigns. We grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So we reign, right? What I want to point out, though, here for this message is that when we fail, sin, God's grace abounds so much more, right? So when we feel there's no amount of sin that we could commit that's going to outdo his grace. Now, never, <laughs> never am I going to say sin because that's like, that's like some ki- parent pushing their kid in front of a car on the road, you know? <laughs> Why would you do that? It's not cool. But I'm just saying that there is no sin that you're gonna that you could find yourself in that's gonna outdo the grace of God. Okay? You're not more powerful than him. I know you're real strong and mighty, but not that strong and mighty, okay? <coughs> when we mess up, it's not enough for him to not fix it. But judges is the next part I want to go to, six thirty-three through thirty-four. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I love the story of Gideon. Gideon, it's awesome to me. So many things in it are awesome, so teachable. So, uh, I mean, you can see with his story, too, how you can jack stuff up and still God comes through in the end, right? Or you could just say, God, you know, I don't even believe you almost, basically. You know, I don't really believe you. you got to show me something so I can believe um, and still have success. But let me read this here, 33. At the Midianites, all the Midianites, Amalekites, which are people, guys. If you guys hear the ites, they're people, groups. Um, and the, so like kind of like Rio Ricos, Rio, Rio Ricans. Is that what we call them? I don't know. Uh, those, 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 those two, but, you know, it's funny because, oh, never mind. I better not say that because this is recorded. Um, <laughs> all the Midianites, Amalekites, and the people from the east gathered together, and they crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel. The Spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon. He blew a ram's horn's trumpet, and the Abizrites assembled behind him. So here's some more ites, but these guys are on his side. These are the ites that work for uh, Gideon. He sent messengers throughout all of Manasseh, and they assembled behind him as well. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali. Now these are tribes of Israel, but they're kind of like areas too because they're regions that are inhabited by these tribes. So these tribes came up to meet them, Gideon said to God, if you will use my hands to save Israel, as you have said. So here we go. Gideon saying, if you will, as you have said. But God's already said it, so it's a done deal. But sometimes we, we stumble a little, right? But it's okay because God's merciful and he knows where we're at. Um, I'm not saying try to stumble on purpose, okay? Or let's not believe God or let's question God. Always believe him, but if you have a, a mistake... His grace is sufficient for you. If you will use my hands to save Israel, as you have said, I am placing a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only and all the ground remains dry, then I will know that you will save Israel with my hands. So I'm not going to know by what you said. I'm going to know by what I see, he's saying, right? But we're called to live by faith and not by sight. But God is so good and so gracious, right? As you have said. So it happened. He got up early the next morning and squeezed the fleece. Enough dew poured out of the fleece to fill a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, Do not let your anger burn against me as I speak only one more time. Please let me perform a test with the fleece one more time. Please let the fleece be the only thing dry and let them be, let there be dew on all of the ground. So God did this during that night. Only the fleece was dry and the dew was on all the ground. So he second-guessed God twice, right? Or what he was hearing. But I totally understand this, and I know some of you guys do too. It's not about 
it's not about that you don't believe that what God says is true. And I think that's for him, too. He just wanted to make sure he was hearing from God. Right? I think. Because what happens a lot of times is that we hear a voice and, and, and we should know that it's God. <laughs> but we're like, is that you, God? Because I don't want it to be you. Or if it is you, quiet down. Or it was something, you know. We're like, <laughs> God, I'm, I'm, I'm living my life comfortably. And I like how it's going right now. And your word is going to jack it all up, you know. Um, for him, though, he was living um, a life of fear, right? Concerned about the people that were over him. And um, this was a way for him to get out. And I think that's why he was, you know, so willing to listen. But also he wanted to test and see that he was hearing correctly because he felt like, hey, if it isn't God and I go out there, I'm going to fail because I can't do it on my own. So I wanted to use this story, too, to show you guys again that this is something that God does. He is strong when we're weak. right? (coughs) So this guy was kind of weak in faith, but really he was just trying to figure out if he was hearing from God. And then in Judges 7, 1 through 15, let me uh, go there. Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, they called him Jeroboam because he knocked over a ball um, altar and burned it and stuff. And all, all the people who were with him got up early and set up camp at a Herod Spring. Oh, and just so you guys know, Baal was like a false god. So he um, did some things against a false god, so people called him Jeroboam. There was a camp of Midianites to the north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many people with you for me to give the Midianites into your hands. I don't know if about you guys. I'm not a military strategist. But I don't think there's a such thing as too many dudes on your team. I don't know. You guys heard about that? God tells them, Hey, you got too many men for me to give them into your hands. That's like when you and your crew is on the playground. And you want to have a big one, right? If the bad guys are coming, if the other guys are coming. I don't have Adrian here to say, tell me what the cool words are these days. I know you guys know, but you're too, too quiet. You won't tell me. Um, so then, he's, then he speaks about why. Why is it too many people, right? God says, um, lest Israel glorify themselves over me, saying our own power saved us. So now call out so the people can hear. So now God's telling him to say this to the people, right? Whoever is afraid or anxious may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. Leave the battlefield. Go home and suck on your thumb, right? Because you're afraid. You don't want to fight? Go home. You're all right. God's saying you can go home because he needs less people. (coughs) Um, So... 22,000 from among the people turned back. That was means 22,000 Frady cats, right? Chickens went back home. Um, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many people. Which, like I said before, there's never too many, right? When you're fighting. 10,000 people left. Still too many. Still too many. I don't know how many of the bad guys have. Did it ever say? I don't remember. But to me, it doesn't matter. They could have five guys. If I have 22,000, I'm good. Man. I'm good. I'm real good. I'm all right. So anyway, the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. When I say to you, this one will go with you, he will go with you. Everyone about whom I will say, this one will not go with you, will not go. 
So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, You shall set apart by himself everyone who laps the water with his tongue like dogs. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. The number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300. The rest of the people had knelt to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, With 300 men who lapped to drink, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Now, first of all, he's picking 300 men <coughs> when you had, you know, 22 plus 10, 32,000, right? Um, so that's crazy. But now he's using the dudes also, the 300 dudes that lapped water like dogs. So to me, that's like the dumbest ones, you know? But maybe that's just my opinion. But if you lap water like a dog when you could drink it like this, I don't know. But everybody has their own opinions. But to me, they were showing themselves to be kind of weak. But he did send back the people that were afraid, which were also showing themselves to be weak. But the rest of the people, oh, sorry. Then the Lord said, with this 300 men who lapped, I will save you. I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. All the rest of the people should go home. So the 300 men took provisions and ram's horns, ram's horn trumpets in their hands. Gideon sent all the other Israelites men to their tents, but he kept the 300 men. Now the Midianite camp, excuse me, Midianite camp was below them in the valley. So whenever I say Midianite camp, bad guys, right? That night the Lord said to him, "Get up and go down into the camp where I have given into your hands. I have given it it into your hands, which means you're going to spank their behinds, right? Yet if you are afraid to go down, then go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. Listen to what they say, and afterward you will be emboldened." emboldened to go down to the camp or brave you'll be filled with courage so he and pura his servant went down near to the edge of the camp now this is really cool to me because he already told them how many times has he told them he's going to give them into their hands i mean before he even got the men together he told them and then he had some fleece and he told them then he had another fleece and he told them and he told them he told them he told them god is still willing to tell him again he said if you feel like you're gonna be um if you still feel scared or concerned about this, go down and listen to what they say. So now God's also giving them a dream, as we'll see here right now. The bad guys, a dream to help encourage Gideon. And I think it's all for Gideon's sake so that he can be encouraged. So um, so he and Pura, his servant, went down near to the edge of the camp. Now the Midianites, Amalekites, and the Kedemites, bad guys, covered the village the valley like locusts so remember i told you guys i don't know how many they had but they had a lot because they're covering the valley like locusts covering it so you can't see the ground and their camels could not be counted for they were as numerous as grains of sand on the seashore gideon came and overheard one man who was telling his dream to another and this is the dream that god gave him right the man said listen to a dream i had i saw a dry cake of barley bread rolling into the midianite camp it rolled up to a tent and struck it it fell, turned upside down, and collapsed. So a cake of bread rolled down a hill, hit a tent, struck it, and collapsed. For me, I would be like, don't eat pizza before you go to sleep, bro. That's what this dream is about, right? Or, or whatever. But this guy, the other guy says that he, he interprets it. He says the other man responded, this is none other. Now, how does he get this out of this, okay? Then the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, God has given Midian and the whole camp into his hands. 
When Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped, returned to the camp of Israel and said, Get up, for the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. And then he goes to fight. That was all it took. Two guys talking at night in a tent, right? Most of us be like, these guys are just, they, maybe they got drunk. Maybe they woke up and they're so tired they don't know what they're saying. But he took it as God's word and it was the final straw to get him to get up, get his men, and go take them out. And this, to me, is a huge testimony to those who might believe they're weak in faith, right? But Gideon didn't have Jesus Christ living on the inside of him like you guys do. So you have the faith faith of God, the faith of Jesus on the inside of you. And Gideon didn't have that. But even when you feel like you're doubting or feel like you don't have enough faith, you always have enough, but sometimes you don't feel like it, right? So when that happens, you can realize and understand that God is still merciful, that God is still good, that He's the faithful one, right? When you have a relationship with somebody like God, He's the most faithful between us, right? I'm not more faithful than God is. He's more faithful than I am. That's why I always tell you guys about faith and Sarah's faith because Sarah laughed. Sarah did things that didn't show faith, but she, in the end, the Bible says that she counted the one who gave her the promise as faithful. She didn't um, major on her doubts and unbelief on, on where she failed, where she laughed. She didn't keep that at the forefront, but she kept at the forefront the faithfulness of God. And that's what faith is. Faith is believing that God is faithful, right? I want to go to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. This is the the last part, the last verse. Wow. Got still three more hours of regular talking, but this is the last verse. I'm just kidding. Um, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my weakness. Weaknesses. So Paul's saying he doesn't just got one weakness, but he got some weaknesses. He's going to boast in that the power of God, Christ, may rest upon me. So what he's saying is that when he boasts in his weaknesses, the power of God rests upon him. I really believe that the power of Christ is always in us, but how we don't experience it, we don't, um, <coughs> it's not visible to all for all to see until we understand that it's not us, right? That it's Him. That the weaknesses, first of all, the weaknesses cannot defeat what God has put on the inside of us, right? So for for me and Kalani, what we were talking about is like sometimes you could feel unworthy to do what God has called you to do, or believe that you don't have enough, or you can't get it done, right? I'll start this thing. It's kind of like when Jesus said, you know, count the cost. I'll start this thing, but I won't finish it because I don't have enough in the tank or whatever, right? But the tank is filled with Christ Jesus and the unlimited, right? That's where we look to. We look to the all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ. That's why he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect. So in weakness, is he saying that if you, if you don't have, if everybody's strong, God doesn't have perfect strength? No. He's saying that you can visibly see the perfection of His strength, the completeness of His strength, right? When you understand your weaknesses, that you're not the end-all and the be-all, that you're not the champion. Um, like I, I've said before, too, that um, there was a, a meme that Angela reposted, and I thought it was great. It says that fear happens when you think everything depends on you. 
if we think that it depends on us, we know that some of us, you know, have trouble just walking around and chewing gum at the same time. I know that's my problem. I'm just kidding. But so if we have that much trouble, that much weaknesses, um, and if we're counting on that, then we'll surely fail. But the beauty of it is, is that we know that even with all those weaknesses, pile them on, go ahead. That's why he said I'll boast in them. It doesn't matter. Give me as much weakness as you want because my God is strong. He is awesome and he's more than enough. So I just want to encourage everybody here that whatever you do, I mean, you don't even have to, for Gideon, he thought, hey, if God's not telling me this, I could fail, right? To be defeated. Um, what did God say to Joshua, though? He said, I am with you wherever you go. And for us, God is in us, with us, and for us. So when you go forward, don't get all caught up. This is my opinion, everybody. So if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But I don't think we should be caught up in if God said this, if God said that. It's good. If it's a good thing you're doing, do it. Do it. You know, like Kalani uh, and I have had made plans before that we wanted to do something, start a ministry. We don't like fast for seven weeks to <laughs> or put fleeces out. We just say, hey, it's good. Let's go. And wherever we go, God's with us and he'll bless us, right? And if, if we needed to move on to something else, He'll move us on to something else. But the whole time we're blessed, right? We're not concerned about um, about a thing because God's with us. Like that song, right? Every little thing is going to be all right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I want to end that with telling you guys, encouraging you, all you guys, whatever you do, you have more than enough because God is on the inside of you. It may seem like you don't. It may look like you don't. Um, I was telling my kids the other day because my son was like, man, He's playing the guitar or, or the other one playing the piano. And they're like, I can't do it, Dad. I can't do it. I'll never, ever do it. I'll never get there. And I tell him, you know, I'm at a place now that I prayed for years ago. I prayed for the place that I'm at now. So I just want you guys to be encouraged that, yeah, it may look like you're never getting there or you don't have enough or it's too hard for you or whatever. But when you're looking back, you're going to realize that you're living in answered prayers. You're living in the prayers you prayed before because that's how good, good God is and how strong he is. So I want to encourage you guys, keep your heads up, keep believing, and um, keep trusting in God because he's more than enough. All right? I love you. Good night.